Welcome home, first of all. I've come back because I want to see my family. I had a 20% pay reduction and not being an Australian citizen, we didn't have access to Centrelink and all of those benefits. I was sheltering in place in San Francisco for 85 days and that was about enough. I certainly felt more vulnerable. This is decision making under extreme uncertainty. Who knows when there'll be a vaccine? Who knows whether people will be able to go back to where they've come from? Everyone's facing hard choices. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly. Today on The Detail, the Kiwis coming home to stay. Who exactly are they? Where are they going? What are they doing? And just how long are they staying? We're talking about a brain gain here. When the pandemic came along, a lot of the things that were most important to me about living in the US actually became really difficult. She is coming home. You can't see people who are very important to you, restricted in what you can do here, almost no travel, anything like that. So that did make it a little easier, I would say. The return of the New Zealanders is going to be one of the key themes of migration in 2020. I talked to an expat about the surprises of coming home. Coming back to Auckland, I, I find it quite scary driving around. You know, I'm used to, um, uh, I've spent the last couple of years driving around Rarotonga on a scooter at 50 <laughs> kilometres an hour. And the Stats NZ demographer who's collecting the data on the COVID returnees. But first, the Kiwi economist crunching the numbers from her home in New York. Julie Fry lives in Brooklyn with her husband and four of her five children. She's part of the Kiwi diaspora, the million-odd who live overseas. She says the numbers right now are crazy. If we look at Statistics New Zealand's data, you know, the net migration estimate for the year ended this March was a net gain of New Zealand citizens of 7,200. In an average year, we lose nearly 20,000 New Zealanders. It's hardly a flood, but it is significant. From losing nearly 20,000 New Zealanders a year overseas to gaining 7,200. That's in the year to March, before the borders closed, and they're still coming in. It means that just over a third are from more arrivals, and almost two-thirds are people not leaving. To put it another way, in Julie's words, we are retaining Kiwi brains at about twice the rate that we are gaining them. We are seeing an absolutely you know, unprecedented change in, in flows of New Zealand citizens. I mean, if you go back to last June and look at the number of border crossings, June last year, there were 3.14 million border crossings. This year, there were 78,000. That's for the period of, of April, May, June. That three-month period, yeah. just a stunning reduction in border crossings. And when you, when you break the, those numbers down, like of those crossings, of, of, of nearly 80,000 crossings, 57,000 of them departures, almost 90% of those non-New Zealand citizen departures, as you, as you were saying before. Um, and, and of the arrivals, two-thirds of the arrivals being New Zealand citizens. And of those, um, half coming back from sort of a short-term trip and half of them coming back from living overseas for more than a year. So th- these, are, these are numbers that we haven't seen in ages. You know, Normally we're looking at net migration flows coming in of about 56,000 people on average and departures of New Zealanders of about 20,000 on average in a given year. These, these are crazy numbers. Crazy numbers. And so what do we know so far about the people who are coming back to New Zealand? We don't know a lot about them. We've just seen KIA, the Kiwi Expert Association, has sent out a survey now 
Um, I'm sure that they'll be releasing their results after the election. Their past surveys have spoken to between 10 and 15,000 expats, right? And so they get very good detail. At the moment, we've just got Stats New Zealand saying we're not really sure what's happening. We expect of this net sort of 7,200 gain up until March and the you know further 7,200 gain since sort of March to June, we expect maybe a third of those people will stay long term for more than a year. But I mean, really, this is decision making under extreme uncertainty. Who knows when there'll be a vaccine? Who knows whether people will be able to go back to where they've come from? It's, it's you know, if, if someone said to me, you know, what are your plans? I mean, they change for all of us very often. I mean, in your situation, has it been at any point in time since the beginning of this year, because New York was it went through a terrible patch, where you thought, oh, I just need to pack up and come back home? Absolutely. And it's, I mean, I guess my, my situation is illustrative of the complexity that everyone trying to make this decision is facing. I have one child studying in New Zealand already. I have one that just this past August started at a US college that she picked based on being able to live at home during the time she was there because otherwise it was going to be completely unaffordable. So, you know, there's part of us going, this is this is crazy. What, what is there to do in New York? There's no, you know, you can't go anywhere. You can't see anyone. There's nothing to do. People are dying. And at the same time, you know, my husband's job is here. My daughter's college is here. You know, in the old pre-COVID times, you could, you know, you could go to New Zealand for a couple of months and base yourself there and then come back. But you know, with the cost of flights these days, with the cost of quarantine, uh, with the risk of travel, it all gets much more difficult. You usually spend two to three months a year in New Zealand. You you had planned to come back here in late June. You still haven't come back because then Air New Zealand cancelled your flights. You're still looking at options. You'd still like to come back. I would. I mean, the thing about the June, July, August period is that the kids are in, you know, their U.S school holidays um, so it's easy to pull them over I've actually had them attend school various combinations of them they've attended Brooklyn school which is near Motueka they've attended Motueka high school um, and it's been wonderful because they've had this experience of becoming sort of embedded New Zealanders you know they learn how to use a spud gun they run around barefoot all that kind of stuff um, and they are missing that you know they've all been cooped up here in the one building with each other they're driving each other crazy New Zealand looks very attractive right now. I guess that's why a lot of people have come back. But as you say, individually we hear stories about people, either through the media or because we might know someone. But as a group, there's a lot that we still don't know. Well, the one interesting thing about having such a small flow across the border is that since April, Statistics New Zealand has started to track the occupations of returning New Zealanders. And those those stats are really interesting. So if you look at their list of top 10 occupations, you'll see that um, many of the people coming back are working in shortage industries. So we're seeing the largest category, two categories are school teachers and engineering professionals. Um, there are quite a few midwifery and nursing professionals coming in. You're seeing quite a lot of senior people, CEOs, general managers and specialist managers, labourers and, you know, people who work in the service industries as well. I mean, based on, like you say, the sort of anecdotal stuff, I'm seeing a mix of people maybe even up to a quarter of people who are coming back and working remotely from New Zealand. I'm seeing some people who packed up in a hurry and didn't have a job and have sorted that out since. And I'm seeing other people who perhaps saw this coming down the road and 
started, you know, reaching out for jobs and, and sort of a little bit ahead of the game. Uh, we came back from Cook Islands a bit earlier than we planned, I think it would be fair to say. We were looking to spend a few more years there. But I think like a lot of Kiwis around the world, we're looking at um, the impact of COVID, especially on the job market. Jonathan Milne is the new editor of Newsroom Pro. He's just out of quarantine with his family. And um, if we've got a secure job to come back to now, it's pretty tempting. OK, so that was the factor, because you think the Cook Islands... COVID-free, beautiful place to be. You know, you've got a young family. What a, 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 I mean, stop it's paradise. It. Stop it, Sharon. Yeah. I'm second-guessing myself now. <laughs> um, so what was the decider? It was the job market? It was certainly a big factor. I mean, you know, like anything love, there's a whole lot of factors, but that was a big one. Um, um, we've got family, obviously, in New Zealand, and being on the other side of two weeks of quarantine is... Um, um, is a little bit nervous if you know if, if, if anything happens to family, um, so we wanted to be a bit closer to them. This is where our friends are. This is where our home is, and um, at an unnerving time in, um, in world history, yeah. um, the um, I think we all of us um, like to surround ourselves with friends a little bit and family. So it seems to me like it was about feeling safe. Where was the place that you felt most safe, most secure in so many ways, in jobs, life, family, friends? You've hit the nail on the head there. I mean, I think that's the case for a lot of Kiwis who are coming back and I've I've got um, friends who are coming back from New York, from London, from Beijing to resume careers in New Zealand journalism. Um, and, and that's just journalism, you know. Um, you look at business, you look at the not-for-profit sector, you know, Chef Peter Gordon coming back from London. He's bringing it all back home with the mouth-watering personal mission of helping rebuild New Zealand's food and hospitality industry. I think it's actually going to be really good for the New Zealand economy and the community. 31 years of living there and now I'm living here full time. I'm, it's great. It's really nice to be home. Mm-hmm. And I was describing to some people back in the UK, I said I feel the drums are beating back home. So the transition had begun to happen and then COVID made it happen a lot quicker. Because not only have we got these amazing people who've been here in New Zealand through COVID, through lockdown, and have learnt so much and developed so many good ideas sitting here in New Zealand, but you've also got fresh ideas coming in from around the world, um, Kiwis coming home. I think it could actually be a really inspiring and innovating time for New Zealand. And so for you, did you have a home to come back to, or did you have to look for a, a place to live? Yeah, we actually um, own, or the bank owns most of it, but we own a bit of a home and own a hangar in, um, in Auckland. Um, that's rented out at present and, um, you know, don't want to suddenly be booting our tenants out um, on, the, on the street corner, so we're renting a place ourselves for a while. I, I, I think that's what happens with, with the, this period of uncertainty. The best laid plans don't always, always quite work, and so you, you, you adapt and you're, you're flexible. What does it feel like to be back in New Zealand. I mean, it's a, it's a very different New Zealand to what you left behind, what, a couple of years ago? Yeah, it sounds silly, doesn't it? Because we have only been away from uh, New Zealand for a couple of years, and we've, uh, I've been back and visited a couple of, couple of times in, in that period. You know, I'd forgotten how to do FPOS. I'd forgotten how to swipe my card everywhere. I'd, I was used to carrying around jingling coins in my pocket. So um, uh, it's, it's surprising how these little things um, just slip away. It's, it's not like learning to ride a bicycle, as it turns out. Now, if you really want to dig into the data on who's crossing the border, StatsNZ now does daily updates. Here's Kim Dunstan, a demographer with StatsNZ. Yeah, look, information on migration is, is important in lots of ways. First of all, it feeds into official 
population estimates um, about the, the size and the composition of our population, both nationally and at local levels. Migration is is also widely used as a, a an indicator of demand for housing, as well as uh, demand for rental housing. Yeah, look, uh, yeah, migration both both inwards and outwards um, is an important dynamic of how our population is changing in terms of size and structure. When do you get this information about these people? I mean, do you get it on the day that they arrive in the country? How long does it take for you to get this information and start putting the numbers through for your modelling and that kind of thing? Yeah, good question. So we get daily updates from Customs New Zealand and we're currently publishing uh, daily updates on the Stats New Zealand website on the the COVID-19 data portal. Some of the more detailed information that comes from the passenger arrival card, uh, there is a lag of a few weeks while that is processed and and actually those cards are currently being processed by the Ministry of Health for obvious reasons and then that information is passed on to Stats NZ. So, um, I mean, it might be obvious, but it's not obvious to me. Why would it be those that information be processed by Ministry of Health? Yeah, so in the normal course of times, those cards were delivered direct to Stats New Zealand for processing, but the Ministry of Health has has been handling those cards since March uh, as part of the COVID operation. Tracking and tracing and that kind of thing. Exactly. Uh, So the fact that these numbers are going up on your website uh, on a daily basis, that's unusual, is it? Yeah, look, since since March, um, you know, Stats New Zealand uh, and I guess our, our partners uh, across government and beyond you know, realise the, the value of, of very timely information. So we've, we've gone to some effort to, to publish what data we can. So that includes uh, yeah, daily border crossing data. There's also weekly updates of all-cause deaths in New Zealand. Uh, there's a number of other indicators relating to travel and, and trade and so forth that are, are being published uh, much more timely than usual. Um, a lot of those statistics are, are provisional uh, given the uh, the timeliness of them, but they are a useful indicator for uh, people trying to assess some of the impacts of, of COVID-19. There's often a balance between the timeliness of data and its accuracy, uh, but yeah, right now, yeah, the timeliness is is highly sought after by uh, data users. So that must mean that your job has changed because you've got far fewer people coming across the border on a daily basis. So you've got fewer, I guess, individual um, bits of data to look at. But at the same time, you are having to do a fast turnaround on the information that you get. Yeah, there's no doubt the the interest in the international travel and migration statistics has changed. So typically you know, we, we might do a monthly story on the makeup of uh, visitors to New Zealand. But with so few visitors, yeah, there's much less emphasis on stories about tourism and, and much more on migration, on uh, returning New Zealand citizens, on the visitor stocks, so how many visitors are, are left in New Zealand. And how many visitors are left in New Zealand? 
Back in March, we estimated there were about a quarter of a million visitors in New Zealand at that time. Uh, so that included visitors who were here on, on visitor visas, student visas, work visas. Uh, our latest estimates um, around the end of September suggest that numbers uh, dropped to about 100,000. So, yeah, that that's much lower than it would typically be at this time of year. And will you know more, say, in 12 months about these returning New Zealanders than you know now? So with every month that passes, our estimates of how many are migrants uh, do become more accurate because we're able to observe how long they've actually stayed in the country. We recognise that, yeah, a number of New Zealand citizens may have arrived back in the country with the intention of only staying a few weeks or maybe a few months. Um, But given the ongoing border and travel restrictions both in New Zealand and in other countries, um, many have prolonged their stay and, and many may well prolong that stay long enough to be counted as migrants rather than visitors. So still a lot we don't know about returning Kiwis. But what about the anecdotes that they're buying up the houses and pushing up prices? Well, Julie Fry says that just can't be right. Well, if you look at the numbers, if you think we've got a net gain of 7,200 Kiwis relative to a, you know, an, an average year where we might have net migration of 56,000 people, um, like numerically, you, you would expect that impact to be smaller. I mean, any person who comes into the country is going to need somewhere to live. They'll need you know, transport, they'll need healthcare, their children will need education. But I mean, what we tend to find over time is that economies adjust, right? Now, the New Zealand economy has shown for a long time that the housing market isn't adjusting well. We are very short in terms of housing supply. Um, I would look at the situation now, though, and expect that there would be less pressure on the housing market from 7,200 returning Kiwis than there would from net migration of 52, or 56,000 which is not to say it's not an impact, but if you look at what the impact in terms of population pressures from inflows have been previous years, it's just nowhere near that kind of scale. So they they can't be responsible for pushing up the prices? 7,500 people responsible for the whole country? The, the real issue is the, the lack of housing supply. You can't blame them for something that's been going on for years. And so it sounds really positive. There's talk about this brain gain. Is everyone contributing in that way, though? I mean, surely not everybody has come back here and got good jobs and set themselves up well. That's true of all New Zealanders, right? And we don't begrudge the fact that there's a sort of spectrum of, I don't know, success or um, employability in, in our you know population that's lived there all the time. I mean, we're seeing, yeah, as an economy, New Zealand needs a mix of skills to operate. We saw that in the lockdown, that essential workers had a very varied skill profile right so there will be you know along with the CEOs and the teachers and the engineers and the midwives we'll also see the laborers and the sales assistants and all of that um I think I I don't I don't take a different view of you know people just because they've been away I think in any population there will be some people who find it easier to work some people who find it harder some of those people have always lived in New Zealand some have lived away for a while and come back I mean, that's just that's just the diversity of the human experience to me. I guess I'm trying to get a sense of this group of people returning New Zealanders. What sort of difference do they make to New Zealand? 
if you think about we're both retaining brains and gaining brains. So there's, you know, we're not losing the 20,000 Kiwis we lose every year, right? So we've got this this additional pool of people who has who have stayed. And then we've got this pool of people who are coming back from overseas who are bringing um, connections, who are bringing skills, who are bringing experiences of working internationally. We know that one of the things our, you know, our boards are looking for is international experience. We've got a, you know, we've got a lot of people coming back who can contribute. Obviously, as we, as we just discussed, not all of them are CEOs, not all of them are working in shortage occupations, but they're all people who can contribute. It's a real positive then for New Zealand. I think so. I think it's going to take a little of a little bit of adjustment because all of us are uncertain. I mean. Jobs are uncertain, health is uncertain, everything everything is just up in the air at the moment. Yeah, we're all dealing with the fact that this virus is still out there, there is no vaccine. I know the President of the US is saying we'll have one next month. I find it actually more compelling that Elton John has cancelled his US concerts and doesn't plan to reschedule them till 2022. Um, it's an indicator of when things might be normal. These are, oh, I'm sorry, you've got a lovely Brooklyn helicopter. <laughs> Just, just to prove that I'm authentically talking to you from New York. That's right. Do you plan to stay put now in in New York? There is, would there be a turning point for you where you thought it's time to come back? I dread that thought. Um, my parents are older. I've got another child in New Zealand. I live for being able to be at home in both places, and the world as we, you know, as it exists now, is not is not making that feasible. I've always said to my kids when they were small, it's like if you had to choose between one place or the other, what would you pick? And they've always looked at me horrified and said, I can't. <laughs> and you know, I feel the same way. But you know, maybe the way quarantine works and the cost of flights. I mean. It's crazy that the flight that I had cancelled in June, I was pricing out alternatives, and that that depend. These are economy flights, right? Between two and ten times more expensive. Wow. The availability there, you run the risk of picking it up as you travel. I mean, you have to balance that with: Do I not want to see my parents again? That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly. The details brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, leave us a rating so other people can find us too. This episode was engineered by Blair Stagpole and produced by Alexia Russell. Thanks to Julie Fry, Kim Dunstan and Jonathan Milne. Kia pai tora.